while our power will fall. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We have a, the perfect guest, considering the recent events in Washington, D.C. Josh Horowitz received a law degree from George Washington University and is currently a visiting scholar at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He is the executive director of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence and the Educational Fund to Stop Gun Violence based in Washington, D.C. He has spent nearly two decades working on gun violence prevention. What makes Josh the perfect guest for tonight? He also wrote a book in 2009 called Guns, Democracy, and the Insurrection Idea. It was published by the University of Michigan Press. I'm delighted to have uh, not only uh, a scholar who knows a lot about the issue, he's also a very dear friend of mine. Josh, how are you tonight? Good. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm very appreciative. Uh, with all of the uh, the January Sixth episode uh, and uh, surrounding madness in Washington D.C. You're very prescient. You kind of saw a little bit of this coming in your book from 2009, "Guns, Democracy, and the Insurrection Idea." Tell us about the book. Yeah, um, I kind of wish wish I wasn't, but uh, you know, uh, I've been watching the this insurrectionist movement for a number of decades. And, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, I saw the, this rise of this sort of mix of people willing to use political violence to get their, their means, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that they were people who started to say, you know, it's okay to use violence in the political process. And that's the way I look at insurrectionism. Um, the idea that in a democracy, um, there are times when people will use force. And my argument, of course, is that that's completely an anathema to democracy. But you've seen this rise, and I started to see it in 2000, in the late 2000s, and I warned people, and I said, if we allow this idea to fester and grow, it is really going to be a problem. Not only are we going to, you know, potentially lose our democracy, but there'll be real violence. And I remember at the time people said, first of all, insurrectionist is too long a word. No, no, no one knows what it means. Well, that's not true anymore. Uh, and they also said, oh, that will never happen in the United States. And I said, that's not true. Hmm. Uh, so it took until 2021. Now people know what insurrectionist means, and we certainly know it can happen here. Well, you went to the University of Michigan, and we saw it really uh, presupposed before it happened in D.C. at the, uh, at, uh, the Michigan State House uh, with the guys that brought the long guns and uh, were threatening Governor Whitmer. Yeah, well, so so that's something that we've seen. Uh, that that was obviously something that happened this summer, but it's really a piece of a, a number of things that have happened under the Trump administration. And you can start putting this puzzle together. Um, I maintain that you know when Trump came down the stairs and talked about derogatorily about Mexican immigrants, um, that that was a real call uh, to this insurrectionist movement. And I think he used that. It's all very mixed with racism and power. I mean, he used that, uh, I think, to organize. But here's the piece. The, the, what we had this summer in, or in, in the Michigan legislature, uh, you know, was about mask mandates. They wanted to repeal mask mandates, open businesses. But, but you know, it's a, there's a line, and I'll take a piece of that line, um, that goes from Trump's election to Charlottesville 
to the massive gun rights protest in Richmond, Virginia at the beginning of 2020 to the Michigan legislature, right, to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Those, those are all aligned. And what I, what I need your, your, your listeners to remember is people thought these things for a while were something like I refer to as Second Amendment pajama parties. Oh, they're no big deal. Boys will be boys. They're not. They're signatures of an ever-violent society where people are preparing to use violent force against the government. And, of course, that's what happened. And it, Michigan wasn't the only legislature, by the way, Paul. Um, I th- you know, we saw uh, in, in Idaho, we've seen it in Oregon and other right. places. So it's something that was, that, that was happening and should have, and it did, for some people, have alarm bells going, but not for enough people. What? You know, you've been wrestling with the uh, NRA for years. And uh, what was that connection uh, what's the connection between the NRA and, and their Russian money? Well, so that's an interesting question. So, you know, I, I, the, the NRA has been is, is really stoked these insurrectionist fires, and I've been warning about that for years. But something happened in 2000, leading up to the 2016 elections that shocked even me, and that was that they allowed uh, a Russian intelligence agent into their midst, um, in, in a classic, uh, a classic move by Russian intelligence, which is to pose as an affinity group from Russia and infiltrate the NRA. And so the agent was a woman named Maria, Maria Butina. Interestingly, uh, Paul Erickson, who was, who was an NRA operative in her long, in her long time, um, who helped get her into these places and was her boyfriend, um, uh, was just recently pardoned by Trump. So it all comes hmm, back. Right. But Butina, interestingly, infiltrated a lot of right-wing networks um, and eventually led a uh, letter to the NRA, got very involved in the NRA, went to NRA conventions, was at the highest levels of leadership. And here's the kicker, invited them to go back to Russia, and they did. Wow. And so the president of the board and a number of the people went to Russia and the, it, all under the guise of a gun rights group in Russia, which when you when you think about that and, and, and that they were sort of allied with Vladimir Putin. And when you think about that, that's that's ridiculous. The premise is ridiculous. If, you know, if people are close to the Kremlin want more gun rights, that's just up to Putin to decide about. Right. right. And, and so it's clearly, you know, a honeypot type of trap. And they fell for it. Um, and, you know, and it was. Um, you know, and, and it was one of those things when you, and, and here's the other amazing thing. It was, th- this was all over. I mean, if you knew where to look, the Russians were putting it out on Facebook right. and Twitter in right. Russian. Right. So we're visiting with the NRA. And it wasn't until a colleague of mine went to, uh, was just, you know, one of the people who went was an NRA board member, David Clark, who at the time was a sheriff of Milwaukee. And a colleague, good friend of mine, colleague, checked his financial reports and saw a trip paid by the NRA to Russia. Wow. And started asking questions. And, of course, this was, uh, you know, an influence peddling operation um, and, 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 you know, uh, trying to influence Trump. And the real reason behind this all, by the way, is I think they wanted Trump to open, to, uh, to stop some sanctions so that they could start drilling in the, act, in the Arctic. So mm-hmm. oil was an underlying piece of all of this. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they outlaw gun ownership in Russia? Well, it's much more restricted. Yeah. And so that's the whole, that's the whole kind of thing, that a group of and, – and, and here's the amazing thing. The pictures of the NRA leaders with the Russians are like with their defense minister. Right. Right? I mean, they're with high government officials. 
and and it, it's it's absurd because these are the people who are you know the idea that the defense minister is going to be part of a gun rights coalition right. is, is absurd right on its face hmm. i mean the second i saw these pictures i was like this i mean this this is ridiculous um and but but you know for some reason the nra fell for it and allow this woman to really infiltrate them and get information and 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 then and then and then get close to elected officials right that's the idea like she was supposed to be a friend of the nra they would introduce her to elected officials she would try to influence them i mean it's just it was just it was really absurd oh. but just shows how how really depraved the nra has become I mean, all sorts of other issues we can get into that and we and i'm happy to jump into that with you as well but yeah we the NRA is yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that is so offensive to me was the dozen or so lawmakers that went over and met in Russia, not this summer, but the summer before, on the 4th of freaking July. Right. You know, I mean, come on. Right. And that was all tied up with this. Yeah. Those are the same people who were meeting with these with these Russian officials. It, it was all... All these things were tied together. Now, what is the uh, what is the status? Of, didn't the uh, NRA go through? I mean, recently, some really tough financial times. Where are they sitting? Yeah, the NRA is still in desperate financial times. Um, they've been, you know, they've been sued by a number of attorney generals, most notably Le, um, the, uh, the attorney general James in New York State, who is um, has sued them for dissolution, um, and that means that they that they're they're a New York corporation, and so she's suing to basically put them out of business and here's why so i run a nonprofit. um i can't take a dime in personal enrichment in my organization right that's just that i would be fired immediately if i went out and for instance charged a vacation or i charged a couple of fancy italian suits on the company credit card i'd be fired immediately mm-hmm. as you Got should it. be because sure it's, it's, you're taking company money what you have to understand about the NRA is that for decades they've been it's just about and, and I, I'm, for gun owners out there, I'm not talking about whether you should have a gun or not. That's that's completely your business. I'm talking about the organization that purports to represent gun owners, but in effect takes their money. It, they're just a bunch of grifters. They take they take members' money and spend it on vacations and travel and suits, fancy houses, all sorts of other stuff. Other than gun rights, so you have to understand the NRA as a money as a money making machine, and that, of course, and, and, and the things that they've done in my nonprofit, which is a small nonprofit, I would be run out of Washington D.C. if I did the things that Wayne LaPierre and his buddies did. I mean, they were essentially taking members' dues and enriching themselves, um, and also making it so that you know spending money lavishly on NRA board members to protect their their position, right? right? So it's not just that they took their own money, they then use money to support board members who would keep them in power. Um, so so that's just completely, you know, illegal for a nonprofit, and that's why Tish James in New York is going after the NRA, because they're not a nonprofit, they're a, they're a theft machine, a grifters. We've got Josh Horwitz, the uh, Executive Director of Stop Gun violence out of D.C. with us. We're talking uh, with him all night tonight in the Wall of Power Radio Hour. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, the School of Rock, Eden Prairie. Say if you're a middle-aged guy or gal like myself, age-wise, and you want to pick up an instrument, call the School of Rock in Eden Prairie and they'll take care of you.
you know that learning a musical instrument is good for your brain? For adults, it can lead to improvements in working memory, resilience to age-related hearing loss, and lower levels of stress and depression. According to University of Texas research, it's even more effective than brain training games. And the best part is, it's fun! Even if you've never played an instrument, we'll have you playing songs in a month. You may think of School of Rock as a place for kids, but we have lessons for adults, too. School of Rock Eden Prairie offers lessons on guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, and vocals. You choose whether your lessons are in person or online. We also have adult bands if you want to jam with other adults. And AM950 listeners get 10% off 45- or 60-minute weekly lessons. Visit EdenPrairie.SchoolOfRock.com or click on the link on AM950Radio.com. Welcome back to the second set of the Wall and Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. Our guest on all night tonight, fellow by the name of Joshua Horowitz, knows quite a bit about guns, gun control, and the insurrection. He wrote a book about it in 2009 called Guns, Democracy, and the Insurrection, an idea. Josh, what uh, was your mind blown as much as Everybody else was on January 6th. I mean, this happened right by your office uh, and right not far from where you live in D.C. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was not surprised at all uh, that there was a there was going to be an active insurrection. I mean, anybody who was watching the news for a couple of weeks could figure that part out. Uh, what was shocking um, was the fact that there was uh, the response was so lacking because it was so obvious uh, what was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, and the you know the the absolute lack of planning by the Capitol Police, and the you know we're still getting to the bottom of it, but the, it seems like that they even for quite some time um, didn't want to collaborate with, uh, didn't ask or call out other agencies. The mayor was ready, other folks were ready to help. Um, that that shocked me, um, and so for me, you know, of course, I have friends who, lots of friends who work in the Capitol. Fortunately, a lot of them were out because of COVID. Um, but, you know, it was an incredibly scary moment for all of us because, you know, we, we, you know, we've been in that building many times. I mean, the, where the shooting occurred outside the House Gallery, I've been there. I spend, a, you know, we, of course, spend time in Congress, lobby Congress. And, and so the Speaker's Gallery, where a lot of this happened outside Nancy Pelosi's office, is a place in the, in the Capitol, is a place that I've spent a fair amount of time in. And, of course, you know, my friends, I have friends who work for the Speaker, and et cetera. So... It was quite scary, um, and the couple the, the couple things, um, the lack of response uh, was shocking. And I do think, um, I think we have to reckon with the fact that that's just you know a, a system, uh, endemic systematic racism in the United States, where somehow we thought right wing white protesters um, wouldn't be violent when all signs said that they would, and we prepare for largely peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters in D.C. like we're calling out the military, like Trump did, right? Exactly. So the, the, the contrast was, was horrible. Um, I think really shed a bad light on the, uh, on the Capitol Police. And, and it's one of the reasons I'm calling for an independent commission. I, I think we need to get to the bottom of it a minute-by-minute minute after-action report to figure out, A, how this never happens again, but also what are the assumptions you're making? Are they racist assumptions that are in there? If you do, we need to eradicate that. So um, that was something that I, I was um, – I, 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 
you know, the response. Now, there was one aspect of uh, the siege that I was surprised about, and that was the amount of vi- level of violence, physical hand-to-hand violence that I witnessed. Um, the you know, beating police officers, taking their helmets off, beating them with huh. flags, literally taking American flags and beating law enforcement officers with them. Um, and, you know, people die. I mean, look, we, we know. I mean, law enforcement officers died that day. It wasn't, you know. And here's the interesting. If you read the Washington Post uh, report carefully, law enforcement was were very reluctant um, to, to, to use firearms in those situations, even when they were being beaten, because they, the crowd was well-armed. Right. Now, they, didn't, they did not have, in many capitals when I go to, to, to testify, for instance, um, you know, you're allowed to bring open carry to the capital, and a lot of times those weapons are like AR-15-style assault weapons. This one was all concealed because we have, it's, you know, it's illegal to open carry a gun in the District of Columbia, but still the crowd illegally was armed, and um, law enforcement, you know, was afraid, you know, they were really afraid to use firearms. And look, I'm glad nobody else got killed. But um, think about any other protest, right, where, where, you know, where, I mean, somehow law enforcement's not afraid to pull out guns. And so right. it's a bad message. It is a very bad message. Um, and I, one of the things I'm calling for, obviously, in the wake of this is to ban open carry of weapons, because, um, you know, if, 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 if this crowd had come with their AR-15s, which would have happened if we were you know, in, in many other capitals in Wisconsin or Michigan. Um, remember, the Michigan legislature got taken over by guys running around with AR-15s. If, right. if, if they had these weapons, it would have been an absolute bloodbath. It's, it's so incredible to think about. And uh, if we dig deeper and deeper into it, I think it's gonna, we're going to see uh, roots in a variety of places. Now, what about this, uh, uh, the Congress uh, person from Colorado? Bobert. Uh, yeah, tell Bobert. us about her. What's what's your uh, have you had any interactions with her? What's your read on her? I mean, you know, actually it's it's I'm, I'm trying to avoid her, but right. um but I mean, it's someone who seems to have QAnon uh, allegiances, someone who's deeply steeped in the gun rights movement. I believe actually um knocked off another Republican in the primary um is, you know, is it seems to me to be flaunting DC's gun laws, trying to bring guns into the Capitol. Um you know, this is when you look at this. It really appears, and there's other members who are other Republican members who are trying to bring firearms. It almost appears that for some reason, you know, there's you know, I heard this I heard this term used the other day um, that that the Republicans are saying, you know, and local problems are saying the enemy is the Democrats. Well, right. we do not. Your political party and another political party, we can never use the word enemy because mm-hmm. that's how you end up carrying guns into the Capitol. Or getting a like a, a Congress person like this 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 you know Congresswoman Bobart right? We cannot think of our colleagues as the enemy because that allows us then to think about violence, right? Our system is beautiful because it allows the nonviolent, peaceable transfer of power. That's what makes us different. Mm-hmm. And if we ever give that up, we become just like any other place, right? What makes us uniquely American is a belief in the democratic system. And when you see people within Congress bringing guns, you know, trying to, you know, I, I mean, all I see is intimidation in those situations. That is a sickness, a cancer on our on our political process, and we need to disavow that. Um, and I, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do with with her and a couple other members who are trying to bring guns onto the floor. 
Um, but, you know, it's certainly part of the problem, not part of the solution. And, and very an anathema to our American idealism and our Constitution. Well, and, uh, uh, yeah, and then let's get to the bottom of what uh, Congress people were giving tours, uh, you know, uh, quote-unquote reconnaissance mission tours the day before January 6th. We've got Josh Horwitz on. He's the executive director of the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence on for the whole show tonight. Uh, he knows a lot about these issues, and uh, we're going to find out as much as we can tonight on the Wall and Power Radio Hour. Listen to a little music and be right back. Welcome back to the third set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metz, and my guest for the whole show tonight, Joshua Horwitz, Executive Director of the Coalition of Stop Gun Violence, who happens to be one of my dearest friends. Josh, when did this uh, – you've had your eye on the insurrectionist movement now since probably before your book came out in 2009. When did this whole QAnon thing come about, and what's the connection? Well, I mean, look, I think QAnon is, is a, you know, obviously is conspiracy theory, and, and, and the connection, I mean, these, these things rise with, rose with Trump, right? And so one of the things I think is important to understand is that there's been an insurrectionist movement in the United States, you know, for a while. Um, it, 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 it rose, um, you know, started rising um, in the Clinton years. It died down after Timothy McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma City building, and then during the Obama years, it started, it, it started coming back. So there's this movement. QAnon, I mean, I'm no expert on QAnon, right. but, but, but it's, it is definitely a conspiracy theory that, you know, has the idea, this is ridiculous, that a group of, you know, deep state pedophiles are trying to take over the government. Right. Um, and it's, just, it's, it's untenable on its face, it's ridiculous. But because of social media and people being isolated, it's grown a lot, and people follow the stuff, and they think, you know, that they thought that, the, that Joe Biden was going to get arrested within the minute before he was going to be um, inaugurated. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just absurd types of stuff. However, you see, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, crafty, uh, manipulating politicians like former President Trump taking advantage of this. And so one of the, the, the pieces that you, you, you're seeing, QAnon, Three Percenters, Oath Keepers, the Boogaloo Boys, 
Proud Boys, um, all using this insurrectionist moment to come to, sort of come to power. But they're they're really the tip of the spear. Um, and so all these have this deep distrust. The government, QAnon, goes to this other level, which has, you know, all sorts of bizarre criminal activity. And I don't know the ins and outs of it. And I don't, you know, but, but people believe it. Yeah. And one of the things we've learned in America is that if you tell people, some people, you know, the same thing over and over again, no matter how outlandish it is, some people will believe it. And all you need is some people with AR-15s and you know, and, and high-capacity, you know, magazines and things like that to cause a lot of trouble. And so I really think these conspiracy theories prey on people who are looking for something, who feel dislocated from government. Um, but the bottom line is that, that it's, you know, it's, it, these things are so far out of, fa- of, of the factual universe, yeah. but somehow people believe them. And it's very dangerous, and, and especially when you have a leader like President Trump, who won't disavow that. One of the things that's interesting, I was reading some research that, was being, that, uh, that came out in the last couple of days about how to turn this around. It's incredibly important that people, who whether we respect them or not, but lead political leaders disavow violence and disavow these conspiracy theories. If you're not willing to do that, people will believe it. Some portion of the people. Look, what we saw at the Capitol was a very small percentage of our overall population. But it only takes, what, like 30,000 people who are well-organized to create a lot of havoc, right? Yeah. In fact, you could, it could really be just a few people with the right, rep- right, right weaponry. And Trump brilliantly played all of, these, um, all of these conspiracy theorists to create what I've called his insurrectionist army. Um, so the QAnon beliefs are completely ridiculous, but the bottom line is, uh, it, you know, more people than I care to, I really care to, I, I, it's so scary to see all the people who follow this, yeah. but it's, it's, they've come together in a number of different groups like the Proud Boys, et cetera, to form this sort of, the, 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 what I call the insurrectionist army. And together they wreaked a lot of havoc in the Capitol and they were controlled, I believe, completely by Trump. And even almost even worse than Trump is Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Right. I mean, his whole, you know, trial by combat. Yeah, exactly. That's the president's lawyer. Yeah. What is he talking about? Well, the guy that they used to call America's mayor, for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, Now he's QAnon's mayor. Yeah. Um, It's just just absurd. Um, But they're they're giving this message to people who are predisposed to conspiracy theories and violence and are well armed. that yeah, this is your time. And, you know, so so there's a lot of danger, a lot of danger. And, you know, especially now when people don't have a lot of access to normal social channels, you're spending a lot of time alone looking at Facebook and Twitter, uh, which is why deplatforming is such an important thing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, you know, it's interesting about about all this social media. These are private companies. So when people say, oh, it's my right for free speech to be on to be on Twitter, it's not. It's a private platform. Right. Right. Um, people need to know that the that your rights in the, in the Constitution are against government action. Right. The First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, things like that. Um, some some rights are a little different. But but um, but, the, you know, this this idea of um, of ability to spread these things to people and and then i just it's so important that people take away the idea that if people are indoctrinated with these things and they are told to act a portion of them will in fact act right right 
and it's not all people. And we we want to use terms like quote unquote crazy, unhinged. It's not that. I mean, that may be some of it, but there are people who who want to get their own political agenda out there who are taking advantage of this moment. And that's something like, and President Trump's the best example of that. But there are lots of others out there who are doing the same thing. What do you feel? I had uh, the great uh, liberal blogger and writer Charles Pierce on the show about a month yeah. ago. And uh, absolutely love him. We do, uh, we've had him on oh, six or eight times. We call it Checkpoint Charlie. The guy is, I call him my psychological morphine drip for all things political. And uh, we were talking about Trump post-presidency. And uh, this was before they even uh, uh, took away the Twitter platform. My feeling, and I'm, you know, I've been in the music business 40 years, so I, I have to be a born optimist. I think the air is going to go out of that Trump balloon. What do you think? What do you think uh, post-presidency Donald Trump and followers are going to look like? I think it's yet to be, I think it's really yet to be seen. Um, I, I think you removing his Twitter platform is incredibly important um, for his, you know, for his, what I, what I think are high crimes and misdemeanors. So, um, I, I, I am I am not entirely sure that um, you know that this is over. I'm glad he's out of the White House. I knew that he would not. I mean, I said this for a long time that he he would not go silently. I do think um, his you know look. It took him hours to to condemn the 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 riot the the people the mob at the Capitol. Right. Um, but you can already tell that there are definitely people who are part of that tip of the insurrectionist spear who feel completely betrayed by him. So I think that's a, a good sign. What I'm not sure I understand is what's happening within the Republican Party mm-hmm. and how much power he will have. And will he find a platform um, that he can, that he can um, get back into things? Um, I personally, you know, I hope that doesn't happen, but I just don't know. And I know I have said before that I think he can be quite dangerous out of office. But, um, but I will say that, you know, I, I'm watching, and this is like this is no. I'm not a political genius to tell you this, but what's going on with Josh Harley, Harley yeah. and Ted Cruz is unbelievable. I don't know if you picked this up, but at the inauguration, Ted Cruz had a mask on uh, that said "Come and take it" with a picture of a cannon on it. Yeah, um, and and that's that famous like Mulan Labe, "Come and take it." It's a big insurrectionist rallying cry. Right. So I think what we have to understand is it's not just Trump. There's a movement out there, and now people are, are fighting for control of it. Um, and we need, to, we need to get rid of the movement. I mean, Trump figured out how to organize it. I think others like, you know, like Cruz and Hawley are fighting for the control of it right now. But the bottom line is that it exists, and as long as it exists, we're not safe. Right. Well, you have... Uh uh, I think it's so obvious that Cruz and Holly are definitely trying to pick up the leftovers of uh, the Trump bandwagon. They're both shooting for, uh, you know, president in 2024. What, uh, how do you feel about the new administration and what they're doing to combat some of this stuff besides everything else, everything else they have to deal with? Well, I think it's immensely important um, that, that you're seeing people across the agencies and in the White House briefing room uh, denounce these types of conspiracies because that wasn't happening before and there was recriminations if you did. And so, you know, from what I from what I understand and when I, I think about the world, having people at the top 
um, say this is not true. These conspiracies are not true. You know, insurrection is a bad thing. We need to deal with, you know, something he's saying today, we need to deal with racism. We need to look at facts. All those things are incredibly uh, important. So, you know, Joe Biden in many ways is, is, is somebody who's really appropriate for this time because that's what he, everybody knows that's what he believes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not seeing the pickup among the Republican leadership. And, you know, you're looking at, at places like, you know, the, the uh, Republican Party in Texas and the Republican Party in Arizona, going back to what we said before, picking up these crazy, you know, these conspiracy theories. And, you know, trying to censure Cindy McCain, stuff like that. I mean, right, right. And, and, and so has the Republican, so, so I'm very, I'm very pleased to see what's going on with the Biden administration, but I am worried that the Republican Party has been taken over and that people don't know how to get themselves out of it. And Paul, I think this goes back to something I think you've talked about, maybe even with Charles before, is gerrymandering districts. Right. Right. The fact is that the way the census was constructed in 2000 and the districts were constructed in 2011 made it made the way these were drawn was that it made it much easier for republicans to keep these districts and especially congressional districts and many state house districts and they did not have to worry about general elections so what happened was they were the primaries is where this this all gets fought in these republican districts and if 20% 20% of the electorate believes in a conspiracy theory, whether it's QAnon or whatever else, that's enough to carry the day in a Republican primary. Right. Um, and, and, and think about some of the things that, for instance, there's going to be a Virginia primary for governor uh, in, in June of this year. And the Republicans are going to have a convention. Um, and that is such a low turnout situation for a convention. Now, I think they're actually doing that to try to protect themselves from a far-right candidate. But the bottom line is they can't – they're, they're afraid right now to have sort of open primaries or have, because their base has just gone, you know, so far right. Bonkers. So it is – you know, the Republican Party – like I said, I'm pleased what's going on with Biden, but the Republican Party has to have a reckoning. and It needs to come soon. And that's uh... – Coming from my good buddy and guest tonight on the Wall of Power Radio, our Joshua Horowitz. We're going to have him on for one more set. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, School of Rock, Eden Prairie. If you're a little uh, getting on in life but still want to pick up an instrument, give them a call. They're going to help you out no matter what your age or effort or talent level. The old gunfighter stood on the porch and stared into the sun and relived all the old days back when he was living by the gun when deadly games of pride were played and living was mistakes not made and the thought of the smell of the black powder smoke and the stand in the street at the turn of a joke the thought of the smell of the black powder smoke and the stand in the street at the turn of a joke And it's always keep you back to the sun, and you can almost feel the weight of that gun. It's faster than... Did you know that learning a musical instrument is good for your brain? For adults, it can lead to improvements in working memory, resilience to age-related hearing loss, and lower levels of stress and depression. According to University of Texas research, it's even more effective than brain training games. And the best part is... 
It's fun. Even if you've never played an instrument, we'll have you playing songs in a month. You may think of School of Rock as a place for kids, but we have lessons for adults, too. School of Rock Eden Prairie offers lessons on guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, and vocals. You choose whether your lessons are in person or online. We also have adult bands if you want to jam with other adults. And AM950 listeners get 10% off 45- or 60-minute weekly lessons. Visit EdenPrairie.SchoolOfRock.com or click on the link on AM950Radio.com. Welcome back to the last set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest down and good friend for the whole show tonight, Mr. Joshua Horowitz, speaking from his home in the state of Virginia. Josh, I want to tell uh, the listeners out there, uh, you and I met cute, as they say in the romantic world, although it was a romantic <laughs> thing. It was a musical connection. I had tickets to see Bob Dylan with the great Chris Christopherson in 1992 at uh, the Wolf Trap Amphitheater in Vienna, Virginia. And I was waiting for my friend uh, Curtis Fosek to come down from Boston. He called me in the last minute. He couldn't come. He said, would you, would you mind if I sent my buddy down? And I said, no, what's his name? He said, his name is Josh Horowitz. I said, tell him his ticket will be at the uh, will call. And sure enough, uh, we were about fifth row from the main stage. And who shows up but my buddy Josh Horowitz. Became, we became very good friends. Uh, your your group, the uh, Coalition of Stop Gun Violence, sponsored me uh, to play at the 1999 Million Mom March in Washington, D.C. at the National Mall. And Josh, do you remember when we uh, I got there the day before? I wanted to go get a feel for where the where the gig was going to be. We got out of the metro, and the first couple we bumped into was James Brady and his wife. Yeah, I mean that was really serendipitous. I mean, you know, of course, um, you know, they're they've been you know they were leaders in this movement when I started, and uh, just being there and actually remember introducing you to them, and it was just great to see them. And you know, of course, James Brady, you know, both of them have passed away now, and. Uh, it was, um, you know, it, it, it was a, a, a great auspicious moment for the next day, which, you know, was still one of the biggest marches that there's ever, there's ever been in, in uh, the United States. That was Mother's Day, actually, um, 2000. That's right, Mother's Day, yeah. Yeah, going up to the election, which I think happened to be my birthday, too. I think that wow. all came together that year. Um, and uh, or the day before my birthday, and so it was a really, it was a really uh, great moment. I'm glad you were able to come. I remember, I think, I think Hart played right before. Yeah, you and Wilson like played from yeah. Hart, and yeah, uh, yeah it was. Uh uh, it was just an incredible day. A lot of love on the mall. In fact, when I saw the, uh, uh, you know, where we had to have the inauguration uh, with all the National Guard and all the, all the wire and all the uh, protection, I was just reminded of what a beautiful place that is when it's full of people. That was such a gorgeous day. Well, you know, it is, and you contrast that to what's gone on, what, what's going on recently, right? So I know we want to talk about happier days, and that was one. I mean, we were, you know, and, and you know, the, there was, you know, you didn't need a lot of law enforcement presence, right? Uh, fast forward to the inauguration now, and the whole mall's closed down. You yeah. can't get anywhere near it, right? 
um, and that's because of the rising threat of uh, rising threat of insurrectionism. But you know that was a great day, and we look forward to the day when people can come back to the mall and 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 celebrate, but also peacefully protest. Uh, I, th- I think those days will be will will come back, and uh, that was a that day we spent together there was amazing. And of course, the Dylan show where we met was amazing too. I mean, I'll never forget that. That was I think the first and only time I've seen Dylan, and uh, you know that was uh, that was a, a memorable memorable moment uh, for me as both musically and to get to meet you. So, yeah, you know, no, it was a, it was day. a great time. And then uh, you came back because you've done some work with Protect Minnesota, our great uh, uh, gun group here, um, protecting against gun violence here in Minnesota. Uh, so you were just, what was it, a couple of years ago, you and your buddy spoke at the University of Minnesota or somewhere in St. Paul? Yeah, no, we, so we've done a number of things there. But one of the, one of the things, first of all, it was great to see, it was great to see the you, right? I mean, yeah. so that was amazing. And um and but but we were there. I do a lot of work uh, into the intersection of gun violence prevention and public health. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, I'm an adjunct professor at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, and I believe facts, evidence, you know, research really matters. And so we were there with Protect Minnesota, talking about a number of provisions that we think save lives. And one of them is the extreme risk protection order. You know, that's a that's a temporary um, order that allows people. Uh, when they are having a life crisis or when they're having an issue, that their family members or law enforcement can temporarily remove a firearm so they can get whatever treatment help they need. It's like a a domestic violence protection order, Mm -hmm. but it gives, you know, it allows allows to take the most dangerous, when when you're in someone's in a crisis, whether they've lost a job and they're depressed, whatever it is, um, and they're threatening harm to themselves or others, you know, you don't have to necessarily think of jail, right? You can think of, let me get the gun out of that hands, let me get this person the treatment they need, and let me see if we can save their lives without incarceration. An extreme risk protection order is something that really does that, and we're really, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, sometime soon we'll see that, and we'll, I will actually pass the legislature in Minnesota. But we were there talking about extreme risk protection orders and other evidence-based uh, solutions to gun violence prevention. Josh, I've always appreciated your work and your point of view. We've got about a minute left here. Uh, I would like to tell my friends in Northeast Minneapolis that I baptized Josh Horowitz and his professor buddy into the uh, nice world of both both meat raffles and pull tabs uh, via uh, the nightcap and Shaw's bar when, when Josh and his buddy were visiting and uh, Josh, you have, uh, we've got a few seconds left here. Tell us about the website for the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, and then you get to choose the song that's taking us out on it. All right. Well, check out uh, csgv.org. That's Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, the initial csgv.org, for all the information about our organization. And if you would do me the great honor and play Stars Over the Prairie, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, I'd be very appreciative. Josh, certainly for you, and uh, thanks for your great taste of music. Say hi to Pam and Michaela for me. We'll be in touch, and uh, keep on fighting the good fight, brother. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Back in the days when I was a buckshot in short pants, spinning balls with Tiger Jack. I remember Grandpa's European Res in the bunk house To these days I used to spread to try to bring him back Hand in hand with my brother and sisters Chinese jump rope heart to heart 
Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Patrick Lilia. We'd like to thank our guest, Joshua Horowitz. On a personal note, if you're looking to buy a duplex in northeast Minneapolis, I'm selling mine. Just get a hold of me at paul at paulmetza.com. We hope you are all enjoying the brighter days of America and the new Biden administration. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. In the fallen age of Cadillac with chrome. Well, me and my buddy like a, a good gypsy army.